Hey, it's Last Name Good here. Um, I want to tell you a little bit about Lander. That's Lander.com, L-A-N-D-R.com. They do audio mastering, but not in a way that you're really expecting. Uh, mastering makes your music sounds polished and professional. You need it, you know, if you want to compete in, in the arena, the big arena of music. So uh, using an engineer, you know, it can cost anywhere between 150 bucks to 10000 a song, honestly. But Lander Audio has made an algorithm that does the same thing for a fraction of the cost. Actually, about $4 a month is where it's starting at. So it's the fastest, the cheapest, best option on the market. And they make your music sound accessible to everyone it works by using artificial intelligence to analyze your track and then it performs the same process and steps as a real engineer would use so you can try it for free and to be a supporter of the straight out the den podcast so here's how you can do it uh, go to join.lander.com so that's join.landr.com slash s-o-d-d you go in there, you're going to get two free waves of your master. If you want to know what it really sounds like, check out this audio clip and let me know your thoughts. Now, what you're hearing right now is an unmastered track compared to a, a professional master track. Mastering in the final boost and polishing music needs to sound radio ready. Usually, you know, like I said, mastering can cost anywhere between 150 bucks to... 10,000 per song depending on the engineer of course but what you've just heard right now is mastered by lander using the artificial intelligence and all you have to do is go to lander.com once again use my promo code join.lander.com slash s-o-d-d you're going to go there try mastering your own music for free today join.lander.com slash s-o-d-d lander is l-a-n dr we greatly appreciate it and look you're not just doing me a favor and i'm not the only person that vouched for it disney warner music nas everyone's favorite mc at some point and a ton of others but i personally use it and i personally vouch for it so once again to be a supporter of the straight out the damn podcast go to join that lander that's l-a-n-d-r dot com slash s-o-d-d What's going on, family? Happy New Year. It's 2019. This is the first time I spoke with you guys in close to a month. Um, but yeah, welcome to the Straight Out the Damn Podcast. I'm Last Name Good, your host um, for today. And um, just wanted to talk to you guys a little bit, really. Uh, I will tell you just a couple of announcements. Number one, uh, get funked up. DJ Party, uh, DJ Find Me Up, and myself. Uh, we will be at Edgewood Speakeasy on January 17th. That's next Thursday. Uh, doors open up at 10. It's free, free cover. Uh, we'll have, um, you know, some, some dope jams for you guys. And um, also uh, some exquisite <laughs> uh, adult beverages, man. So y'all follow through if you're in the Atlanta area. That's Edgewood Speakeasy. I uh, just wanted to kick off the year doing more DJing. It's, it's one of my goals for this year, so... Um, if you're in surrounding the area, like come in and say what's up. If you're a listener of the Straight Out the Damn podcast, man, I would love to meet you. But uh, fall through Edgewood Speakeasy, January 17th. Get funked up. It's free cover, no excuse, man. Come down, bring your your um, your girl, bring bring your guy, bring your homies. Uh, y'all pull up. It's gonna be a joyous occasion, man. I can't wait to see you. But um, on top of that. It's been it's been great so far, right? We're ten days in 
Uh, we have a lot of plans for this year that we want to make sure that we get accomplished, these goals. But uh, more importantly, uh, I want to speak with you guys because it's, it's been a minute, like over a month. And as you know, typically we take a little break uh, during the holiday time just to kind of get our mind right and really spend time with family. Uh, I know you guys work hard. I work hard as well. And so just to have some time off is, is really refreshing. Um you know, to get things going, but uh, today's podcast is really, it's a conversation, number one, but it's inspired by two things, so I've been reading this book called Quitter um, by John Acuff, and I might be saying his last name wrong, but uh, it's a really cool book, my my homie uh, Ace Harris recommended it to me, and it's, the book is essentially about balance is what I'm taking from it, right? And and so it talks about having a day job. It talks about having a dream and how most people put off their dreams because they have a day job and find all these different types of excuses. And so for me, there's balance because people that do know me know that I do about 20 jobs. um, And, you know, finding balance is is super important in my life, especially being a husband and a father. Um, So just trying to figure out how to balance all of those things also be you know be more consistent with this podcast is is one of my goals um but also you know with other podcasts that i do djing and touring and uh paid in america stuff and which shout out to paid in america we've dropped uh, a single already and we have another one coming on the 15th called talk about nothing so um go to paidinamerica.com that's paid in america three k's no c and um Check out the music there, man. I hope you guys enjoy. We've been working very hard and have a lot of things that we plan to bring to you guys in 2019 as well. But um, I sell this. I've been reading this book. And also yesterday, uh, I was having a conversation with Marcel P. Black. And it's one of those conversations that you have where, like, toward the end of the conversation, we both was like, man, this could have been a podcast and we should have, like, been recording, which we wasn't. But still it inspired some of the things that i'm going to talk about today uh so shout out to him uh he's a super cool guy man he's a creative he's a facilitator out of baton rouge man so if you are interested number one come correct don't come with the bs uh make sure you have your stuff together before you even reach out to this guy about trying to get some traction down in baton rouge but uh so i'll say that first get yourself together and once you think that you're together then reach out but he is a great resource uh, a good person to know and i'll tell you this if you even come close to rapping over your vocals just disregard the last 20 seconds because it's not gonna matter he's not gonna holler back at you and i respect him for that but uh we were having a conversation really about being facilitators and artists and how those worlds kind of kind of uh, collide and the truth is any act that's a, a, a artist that's a touring act there's a 80 to 90 percent chance that you also put on events in your home city and that's kind of the you know the that's your way in to get into a lot of cities just to be honest with you make it clear cut possible but we were talking about how those two worlds merge and the importance of you know the pitfalls of being a promoter and an artist and how you have to learn how to put on a quality show Uh, And some of the things that we spoke on was like, you know, if you're going to be a promoter, then you need to know that waiting super late to put your show on is is not going to be helpful. 
one like one of the nuggets that he said that was so important that I agree with him 100% was like, look, if the people are not there by 1030, it's a good chance they're not coming, <laughs> you know, and what promoters do. And, and I'm throwing myself up on the bus because I've done it plenty of times, especially early on when um, I was starting to put on shows was that you kind of wait, you wait for people to get there it, before starting your show. And the reason why a lot of promoters do that, and, and I'm just going to speak from my perspective, the reason why I used to do it is because I was looking out, thought I was looking out for the artist. Meaning that I didn't want an artist to go on stage perform when no one was there or if it wasn't enough people there. Now, here's the thing. That may be a true statement, but the real truth is, A, there's plenty of variables in promoting the show, but you know, you just have to find ways to get people in the building earlier. So that's part that's part of the promoter's fault. And two, you're not really helping the artists because what happens is people that did come early, they're now not entertained. They're just sitting around kind of waiting for something to happen, especially if they're there with the intent to see a show, right? So you can have a good DJ, which we always have good DJ. Shout out to DJ Find Me Up. However, if people are coming to see a show and there's no show going on, they have the tendency to want to leave, right? And so one of the, the important things of if, if you are going to be that artist and facilitator and kind of play both of those worlds, one of the most important things you can do is learn how to efficiently put on, on a show. And one of the main things with officially putting on the show is starting on time. So, hey, tell people, set the expectations up front. Hey, doors open up at 8. Live performances start at nine. And what I found that's super helpful for me, especially when we're working with the festival and, um, you know, working with the festival and other shows, is when you set a schedule, advertise that schedule so people know it becomes a thing, right? So if I say doors open up at eight, show starts at nine, first performers at 9.15, the expectations have been set. People can see this. So they're looking at these things and now they're thinking like, okay, cool. Well, I know that I kind of got an hour leeway to get in the building. Like, okay, doors open up at eight, but the show's definitely starting at nine o'clock. And when you put a schedule and advertise a schedule, now the the uh, the participants and, and, and the fans of the shows, they have an expectation that's, that's showing, right? They, they see it. So now they know that, okay, I need to be there at a certain time. Their anxiety levels kind of relieved a little bit. They, they don't fear showing up at nine and nothing is going on and they feel like they're wasting time, right? They're looking at, oh, okay, cool. If one artist is going on at 9.15, the other one's going on at 9.30, that kind of tells me they're not going to be wasting time in, in between sets, you know, doing 30-minute DJ breaks in between or whatever, trying to fill out the crowd away for people to get there. No, set your expectations up front. Tell people exactly what time that the show is going to go on. And and try your best to stick to your schedule. There is always going to be some things that happen. You know, you might have a technical difficulty here or there. But ultimately, try to stick to your schedule as close as possible. Like, there's no excuse to be two hours behind schedule. Maybe 30 to 45 minutes behind. That can happen. Things happen. But once you start getting in a two-hour behind schedule, then... A, you need to work on how to be a better scheduler. B, find somebody that know how to be a better better scheduler. Or C, 
just don't do your shows. And that's and, and that's and I'm I'm giving you these things because these are the things that I've personally done myself that I had to learn to be better at, right? And so once you start getting the motion of putting on these better shows, people will start to show up. And, and you know, as a promoter, anyone that's listening to this that ever promoted a show, you know, there are some variables that you just cannot control. There's been times where I've spent $150 on, on Facebook ads, bought flyers, did the foot traffic, put posters up all over the city, and the traction wasn't there, right? Like you would have thought, okay, this is a free party that I'm doing, but I spent $250, almost $300 on marketing materials. You, In your mind, you're, you're, you're connecting that and thinking like, okay, cool, I should have a decent turnout. And it didn't happen, right? And so, yes, it can be discouraging, but the truth is some things just can't be controlled, right? You have to, there are a lot of things that go into putting on a good event. One may be even the name of the event. One may be the, the culture of the event. The, the acts that's on the bill. There's all things that kind of come into play with putting on a quality of show. One thing that I've learned over the years is that less is, is better. And here's what I mean by less is better. If you put on a show with more than eight acts, there's a chance that there's going to be a lot of room for error. Now, I'm not talking about a festival. Festivals are different type of planning. The expectations are different. With a festival, people know they're coming to see a variety of acts. And depending on what type of festival it is, uh, their expectations are set. I'm not talking about a festival. I'm talking about just a regular show, showcase, live events, live performances. Once you start getting over eight performers, a lot of variables come come into play. The main variable that comes into play is that you have to deal with eight plus different personalities, right? You got to deal with eight different artists, their crews, who they're bringing in, their quote unquote feature acts, uh, you know, and, uh, and promoters know artists will tell you that these three people, yeah, they're going to be on stage with me. They have, they have songs, um, they're going to be on, on my set and they're never on their set. They're just like, you know, the homies. And artists, let me just express this to you. Just tell the truth. If one of the people are your cameraman, one of them is your man, just let the promoter know. That way they can prepare. But let the promoter know in advance. Don't wait the day of the show and pull up with five extra people hoping to get, get in. It's just, it's not fair to the promoter. It's really not fair to you because you're doing yourself a disservice but now not setting the expectations to be an artist that can sell tickets, right? And that's a, another podcast that we'll have to talk about another time. But as an artist, you need to set the expectations that I want my fans to buy tickets. Stop paying for your fans to get into your shows. It's okay to do that as a treat to your, your day one supporters, people that are buying your merch and buying all your, your CDs. If that's what you're doing for those people, that's cool. But other than that, set the expectations. Find people that are willing to come out and spend money to see you perform. And if those people don't want to spend money to perform, guess what? It's okay. Maybe they're just a listening audience. They're not a, um, an audience a audience that's willing to come see you perform. That's cool, but you need to put them in that box of people that's only going to stream your music. And you need that streaming support as well. But we're talking about a live show. And if you keep... Essentially, you are 
babying your fan base. And if you're babying your fan base, they're, they know that, okay, at any given time I can hit them up and I'll be able to come to the show. And once again, I, I must stress, if this is a situation where you have your day one supporters, this is somebody that has purchased every album you put out, every single you put out, they're purchasing that, they're, they buy every shirt. Yes, treat them by saying like, oh, I got a show in your city. Hey, just pull up on me. I got you on the, uh, on the ticket. Don't have to worry about paying the cover. I got you. Come in with me. Like, that's a different thing because now you're, you're creating a memorable moment for your fan base. But if you're just doing it every show, you're spending 50 bucks just to have people to come with you. Um, while I, I appreciate your motivation, you're doing yourself a disservice because, A, that $50 could go into buying more merch for you to, to get new fans and sell merch at your shows. And B, your baby and your fan base. They're never going to pay if you're always paying for them. Just remember that. Okay, so if you're at your shows, and now I'm going back to promos, and, and, I, and I do apologize, but I'm going to bounce back and forth because this is also, this conversation is, is catered to artists that put on their own shows, which at some point as an artist, you should learn to put on your own show. Stop waiting for promoters to give you a shot. If you believe in what you're doing, put on your own show. And... Um, it is what it is. You, you just you're gonna have to get into the zone to put on your own show, and building your own fan base, right? So if I bounce back and forth, that's the reason why. But promoters, as a promoter, limiting that that set list of how many artists are gonna be on your show is one of the best things that you can do. And I know why you do it, right? Because it's the same reason why all of us do it. We think if I get ten or more people on the bill, each one of those people can bring five to ten people boom now i got a show so i have you know if i got eight acts and they all bring 10 people a piece that's 80 people my promotion is going to bring another 100 people now i got 180 to 200 people at a venue i did my job well the truth is what's really going to happen is that you find out that those eight to ten acts just don't have the fan base that you thought they did and that's cool you know it's not their job essentially to get people in the building your job as a promoter is really to get people in the building and put on a quality of show that the people that are there will be entertained, right? But nevertheless, so you find out very quickly that all of those people on the bill, they don't bring as many people as you thought they would. And what you end up with is A, a show that is not of high quality because you have so many variables in place. You you're trying to get people on time to the stage and they're not on time to the stage. You're trying to get all eight people to have music together. They don't have their music together. You know, so you have all of these things that are kind of going around in play. You find out at the last minute that two of the acts have their DJ, but their DJ doesn't have the proper equipment to DJ. You know, there's all types of things that can happen. So what you have to do is set those expectations up front. That's why I strongly recommend a bill of four to six acts no more than eight. Eight should be your your maximum, with your minimum being about four. I think four is a nice sweet spot where you have maybe a headliner, you have three supporting acts. That's a great quality of show. The reason why is I can start. To, I can open up doors at eight, start my show at nine. People are gone by by twelve o'clock. There's no reason to be lingering around at a hip hop show. Especially if, if these are shows that, you know, these artists are building their fan bases. There's there's no reason to stick around for that long. Like, yes, you can have the DJs throwing the parties, and that's always a great time to have that. But if you don't have those type of DJs that's going to, you know, create that environment, 
you're really just kind of sitting around kind of waiting for the act to perform and once everybody's done it's kind of like oh okay cool i can go home now so when you have that sweet spot of four to six acts on a bill what that does number one anxiety levels go down for you as a promoter because there's less people to have to deal with number one um there's less personalities to have to deal with you find out right on it's easier to facilitate things with four to six people than it is with eight to fifteen so if you have four acts on the bill you know like hey do you have a dj okay no dj all right cool i need your music i need your set time you you have a 15 minute set please send me your set prior to the show right i can get that over to the dj if you do have a dj that's cool let your DJ know that they need to be there at soundcheck so we can make sure that everything is running fluently. Do they have their own board? Do they need to use our house DJ board gear? It, okay, our house DJ uses Serato. Are they capable? Do they have Serato software? <laughs> you know, all of these things kind of go into play, but you have to ask these questions up front. But when you only have four to six acts, it's a minimum. You don't have to worry about all of those things. All right, so now you're starting to build your set list. You know that artist A has a 10-minute set, artist B has a 15-minute set, artist C has a 15-minute set, and artist D, the headliner, has a 30-minute set, right? Once you get all of those tools into play, think about it like this. I said a 30-minute set, two 15-minute sets, and a 10-minute set. If you do the math, that's an hour and 10 minutes, right? So that's an hour and 10 minutes of stage performance time. You're always going to give yourself a buffer of an extra 10 minutes, right? So now we're looking at an hour and 20 minutes right there of stage time. So what did that say? An hour and 20 minutes of stage time. If I open up my doors at 8 o'clock, if I start my show at 9, theoretically... I should be done with performances by 10.30, no later than 11. So what do we do that last hour? Either A, we shut down shop, everybody goes home, or you give your DJ another hour to shine. They had an hour to shine at the beginning of the event, they got an hour to shine at the end of the event. So now it's a party. So you have those people that showed up super early at 8 o'clock, they don't feel the need to leave, right? They're there. They're, they already know, like, okay, the first performance starting at 9 o'clock. I know I got here early. Let me get a drink, right? Let me get a drink. Let me get some food. Let me listen to the DJ. Let me party. Have a good time. That's set in stone. That's done. That's everybody's enjoying themselves, right? Once the performance is over with, they have the choice. Like, oh, okay, cool. Well, I feel like I haven't even been here that long, right? And when they feel like they haven't been there that long, they're entitled to stay and if you're a promoter, you know that you're making a lot of money on the back end off of liquor sales, off of the bar, off of food. So now you're giving them the incentive to feel like, oh, I can stick around a little bit longer because I haven't been here that long. I got here at 8. I had a drink. The DJ was playing good music. Performances started at 9. I've only been here for an hour and I'm having a good time. Performances are rolling. They're not taking long breaks in between. Three to five minute breaks in between. Give the DJ a chance to play one song. Go right back into it. And now, as somebody that's just someone at the venue, now I've noticed that, oh, man, I've only been here for about three hours. I saw some dope performers. I've had a great time. Let me buy a few more drinks. Let me just chill. And then I'm leaving. 
but the the whole experience was a better transaction for me. Now I'm more inclined to come back again. Number one, I'm more inclined to tell people about your shows. And now you, you you've started something. And guess who else is, is happy and appreciative? The artists that are performing. Because they didn't have to wait all, around all night for a 10-minute performance. And they're going on. And now the crowd is super thin because you've had 15 performers on the bill. And they all just kind of had their crowd there. And once they get off stage, their crowd leaves too. So you're not really building anything. But when you set those expectations up front and know, let people know, like, hey, I only got four people on the bill. It's going to be a good night. This is what's going on here. I have the type of crowd here that are going to be willing to come in and, and spend money on merch because they don't have, when you're only selecting from a, a handful of artists, now my my purchasing power changes. Now I'm not thinking about, you know, I don't want to buy merch from these artists. I, I don't have time. And, you know, artists need merch to be sold. That's, that's one of their lifelines. But if you as a promoter not putting on a quality show if 15 people are on the bill ain't nobody's gonna sell merch i can tell you that now like you know you might get a t-shirt or a cd off but when there's that many acts it's one of the things that happen as somebody as a fan of music right if i see 15 people on the bill and say i like 10 of them like i'm giving the, the benefit of the doubt that the promoter actually put you know did a good job selecting talent there's 10 people on the bill that I like. I'm not buying 10 pieces of merch. I'm just not going to do it, right? But if there's only four people on the bill and I like three out of the four, there's a good chance I'm probably buying something from three of them. You know, and I might not buy a T-shirt. I might buy a CD from each person. But what I'm saying is if I came in, in there with the intent of supporting, my support levels would be higher with a smaller amount of people on the bill. My support levels are not going to be high when there's 15 people on the bill. I'm going to be like, all right, cool. If there's one person I just really, really enjoyed, I might approach them and buy some merch. But outside of that, it's not going to happen, right? And so now your artists, they're frustrated because A, they probably are not getting paid to perform at that show if they're a local, which that's that, those are growing pains that happens. You got to have to build a fan base in order to get paid off of shows or be a facilitator in your city that you can trade off shows and tell people like, hey, you know, if you want to come here, that's cool. I can get you here. You can come back here. Let, just look out for me. Uh, shoot me some bread. Set your expectations up front, all of that. But if you're a local, there's a chance that you're probably not going to get paid for the show, which is, you know, that just that happens. Right. But the best way to get paid is a you're, you pull up and have a dope performance at a quality show. And now there are people that actually buy your merch. And, and you, as a, a local talent, can walk away with 100 You know, you think about it. If you're selling your T-shirt for $20 and five people come up and buy your T-shirt, you've made $100 that night off of a 15-minute performance. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm a, I'm a numbers guy. So if I do a 15-minute performance and I sold $100 worth of merch, that means that I've made approximately $400 an hour. And I don't know where you live in America or if you're in the world, but $400 an hour is pretty good to me. 15-minute performance, $100 in merch. If you only sold one piece of merch, 25, like one shirt for $20 in 15 minutes, off of a 15 minutes performance, 
one person bought a shirt. You do the math. You see what I'm saying? So you have to kind of break things down that way and look at it in a real perspective. That's eighty dollars an hour, man. Like, I, you, that's those are great numbers for anybody. Anybody would love to make eighty dollars an hour. I don't care what where you are in the world, what profession. Eighty dollars an hour is is good, right? And so you have to start looking at things in those in that type of view viewpoint to do better as a performer. So as an artist. Oh, and, and this goes without saying, artists, if you're pulling up to your show without some type of merch, you are doing it wrong. And I'll leave it at that. You're essentially saying that I am just a performer. I don't care if it's a flyer with a barcode to give people free downloads of your music. Stop showing up to venues without merch it's stupid that's all it is it's dumb it doesn't make sense it shows that you're not a professional it shows that you don't have the intent to make any money it shows that you don't care about your craft it shows a lot of things stop showing up without merch and it doesn't have to be anything extravagant man like you can have CDs, and if you don't think people, when I when I talk to people that say, "Oh man, people are not buying CDs," it automatically tells me that you're not a touring act. That's the first thing that it shows to me when you say, "Oh no, man, people don't buy CDs anymore. You don't you don't go on the road. That's all it is. Like you, you don't perform enough on the road because if you did perform enough on the road, you would know that CDs are probably your number one seller." The chances of getting off a $5 CD at a performance is higher than trying to sell a $25 shirt. You have people that just say like, oh, just because you're a touring at and they want to support, I'll give you $5 for this CD just because. Not necessarily saying they're going to listen to it. That's, it's not about if they're going to listen to it. But what they will do is do that just for the support. And if they're doing that for the support, then guess what? You're making money as a touring at. So... That's it for this week, man. Hey, Marcel, thanks for the inspiration on the conversation. Um, he has some, some new music coming out soon, and we're going to get him on the podcast, and, and I'm sure we'll talk about a bunch of things there. But the, the basis of this conversation, if you're an artist and a facilitator, um, number one, if you're a touring at, learn how to throw shows on your own. That way you can actually have a leg up in the touring world. It's easier to trade off shows when you already have something built in your home city, regardless of where your home city is. Artists that want to tour just trying to get out and get their music heard in different places. So first, you know, find out how to be a, f- a facilitator in your home city and, um, you know, learn to put on your own shows and make sure you're doing a quality of show. But outside of that, that's it for this week. Um, Happy New Year again. Once again, uh, get funked up January 17th. If you're in the Atlanta area, Edgewood, Atlanta, um, excuse me, in Atlanta, Edgewood, speakeasy. Uh, get funked up. DJ fired me up and myself on the ones and twos. Uh, it's gonna be a great night. We got small place alcoholic beverages. It's a 21 up um, event, but definitely show up uh, to have a good time. But uh, as always, I, I really appreciate you guys for real for, for sticking with us, man. I I realized the other day that I recorded my first podcast in 2012, and it's 2019. That means that we've been in the game for seven years, and, and some of you have been with us since day one. So thank you for those that's been with us day one. If this is your first time finding this podcast, um, thank you for listening. I am recording in the car right now. That's a part of 
you know, finding time to do something. There's no excuse not to, to get the work done. You have to move around as much as you can and figure out ways to facilitate your time the proper way. And time management is a key. And if it, if it means recording a podcast in the car, record the podcast in the car. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't want to have an excuse not to give you guys this content. Uh, so at the end of the day, thank you for listening. Make sure you subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, um, everywhere where the podcast can be played. It is there. Um, so thank you uh, for listening. Make sure you come in and rate this thing here uh, so we can get the ball rolling there. We need more stuff. And I'm also going to venture out in YouTube and get more content on YouTube. It's a place where I personally slack that I just want to do a better job at. But as always, thank you guys for listening. And if you have a dream, pray on that dream, research that dream, and work until that dream becomes a reality. I'm Last Name Good. I just straight out the damn podcast. See you guys next week.